Hey everyone, welcome to episode 14 of Faith Fitness Joy, Seven Steps for Healing Emotional Triggers. Today's episode is somewhat of a follow-up from last Wednesday's episode, episode 12, How Inner Healing and Health Are Connected. Today, I'm walking you through the seven steps I have used to process, release, and heal emotional triggers. So if you'd like to break old patterns that are keeping you stuck and holding you back, then grab a notebook, a pen, get comfortable, and join me in today's episode of Faith Fitness Joy. This is Faith Fitness Joy, and I am Rochelle Weiss. Does losing weight or getting fit and healthy seem hopeless? Do you struggle with how to get started? Maybe you're tired of being on the diet and fitness roller coaster, or sometimes feel overwhelmed, depressed, and like you have somehow lost yourself in the busyness of motherhood, work, and life. Do you want to have more energy and feel more connected and happy? Do you seek a deeper connection to God? Faith, Fitness, Joy is all about achieving whole health. It is about health of the body, mind, and soul for Christian moms. If you are ready to lose weight or get fit, improve your nutrition, feel better, healthier, and happier, while also strengthening and deepening your connection to God, then this is the podcast for you. All right, if you've been listening to my podcast, you may have gathered by now, it is focused on what I call whole health, which is the physical body, the mind, and the soul. A huge part of our overall well-being has to do with our mental and spiritual well-being, yet we often don't think of these when we think of health. Our experiences over our lifetime, the things people say to us, the things that happen to us, all get interpreted in our minds. They ultimately turn into beliefs, values, principles, and just our framework or paradigm for how we perceive and respond to our world. While we may have some conscious awareness of some of this, most of it is subconscious. A lot of it is things we picked up in our childhood or even younger formative years. They become beliefs so deeply ingrained in us that we think they are our truths. We don't recognize them for the lies that they often are. I was completely unaware of this concept until about a year ago, as I sought my own well-being and to get at the root of a lot of my own challenges and issues. I learned about emotional triggers and how they are key in self-healing. Through various coaching programs, self-help books, and research, I've learned a process for healing emotional triggers. I've broken it down into seven steps for today's episode, and these seven steps are, first, learn to recognize your triggers. Two, identify the underlying emotion behind the trigger. Three, determine the last time or times that you felt that way. Four, trace it back to the first time you can remember feeling that way. Five, identify the beliefs you adopted as a result of the past incident. Six, create new beliefs. And seven, forgive and release. So in last week's episode, I talked about what inner healing is and how it is the process of self-healing of past trauma, hurts, or various events, circumstances, or experiences you may not have been emotionally equipped to process at the time that they occurred. In response to these things, we develop defense mechanisms to protect us. One of the ways this manifests is in emotional triggers. So what's an emotional trigger? It's essentially an intense emotional response to a situation, event, 
something someone said, something someone does, etc. For all my life, I just thought that my reactions to things were just my personality. I never realized they could be triggers, and I certainly never realized they could be healed. There were certain triggers and limiting beliefs I had that I knew weren't normal, so to speak, but I couldn't really figure out how to resolve them or what to do about them. For example, how hard I have always been on myself, how introverted I tend to be because I don't want to be seen, or how I used to struggle to look in the mirror because I struggled with body dysmorphia. Mm -hmm. I had gotten to a point where I just figured I had to live that way because I couldn't seem to overcome it no matter what I did. It all stemmed from my childhood and early adolescence. I was bullied daily from about the age of 10 to about the age of 14, maybe into 15. Most of it was verbal, name-calling about my weight. There were multiple kids and groups of kids that did this to me. I have memories of seeing nothing but faces all around me laughing and just wanting to hide. Most of my bullies were boys, and many would ask me out as a joke. It only took one time for me to learn that, and I never took any boy asking me out seriously ever again. By the time I was about 12, the bullying had become physical, and I had well over 10 different kids that seemed to be on some sort of planned rotation to bully me. I got pushed down the stairs all the time. One boy threw a ball at me so hard during PE that it pushed the stud of my earring into my earlobe, causing me to bleed all over my shirt, and then I had to go to the doctor later to get the stud removed from my earlobe. Another boy threw an unopened soda can at me in the quad in the middle of lunch and it hit my shin so hard that I fell down from the pain and the soda exploded all over me. Everyone in the quad laughed. The same boy used to follow me around at lunchtime and throw food at me and moo. If I missed the ball in PE, I would get relentlessly screamed at and verbally attacked by the whole class. Needless to say, I dreaded going to school. There were days I'd beg my parents in tears to let me stay home. Worse, over time, I had grown to hate myself. At some point along the way, I started to believe what they said. I figured that they must all be right. After all, it seemed like everyone in the school hated me and thought I was disgusting. I was told day in and day out how disgusting, fat, and ugly I was. My clothes were made fun of. My hair was made fun of. Every aspect of my appearance was attacked every single day. I started to believe I was worthless. I started to think about dying. I started to wish I could die. I started to dream up ways that I could die. Of course, I grew up and the memories of this all faded. But all these beliefs were still there. The damage was done. My sense of self-worth ended up being tied up in my weight. I eventually adopted a victim story. Over the years, I built this paradigm where I had to be more to be worthy. I had to be perfect. I couldn't make a single mistake. I had to make up in every other way possible for my body and the lack or the way that it, I thought it looked and what I thought was wrong with it. I couldn't leave any room for anyone to make fun of me or criticize me. I started to believe that if I wasn't, quote, skinny, I was unworthy. At least, that's sort of the boiled down version of what had become my MO. As I've discussed in previous episodes, I later found a program that taught me how to undo some of this, 
how to shift my mindset and love and accept my body and myself regardless of my weight or size. However, there was a pattern of self-destructive behaviors, patterns of relationships, and something of a defeated backstory that was still running in the background of my mind. This has led me to go through cycles of self-destructive behaviors over the years until I started to use this process of healing emotional triggers that I'm sharing with you here. So as I mentioned before, the first component of this is to learn to recognize your triggers. So before you can heal emotional triggers, you have to learn how to recognize them, right? As I mentioned earlier, it's basically anything that causes an automatic emotional reaction for you. So take some time and reflect on what some of these are for you. Most of us have some. For example, do you experience a reaction when you see another woman dressed a certain way, perhaps wearing very little or dressed in really revealing clothing? Do you have a strong reaction when someone cuts in front of you in the grocery store line? Do you find you get emotional or upset trying on clothes when you go shopping? Does the idea of walking into a gym create an intense sense of anxiety in you? Do you get jealous when your significant other is talking to another woman? Do you feel bad or shameful if someone helps you with something, does something for you without you asking, or offers to help you in some way? These are all just different examples of what emotional triggers can look like in a day-to-day experience. And there's many other examples, of course. Your reactions in these situations are telling you something. It's trying to bring awareness to what you perceive, what your mind, what your subconscious perceives as a threat in some way. Because this thing that's causing the reaction on some level is creating a similar emotion that deep down in your mind reminds your brain or your nervous system or your ego of a similar past event, a previous time that you felt this way and that your defense mechanisms had to go up to protect you. Another way this can show up is not so much triggers as patterns of relationships. Some examples, have you had many friends or coworkers throughout life betray you? Do you tend to be the one who does more of the giving in a relationship? Does lying or cheating tend to be a common issue in your relationships? Again, these are all just different examples, and there are many more than these. The point is, these are all reflections of something going on within you. People reflect back to us what is already inside of us. And when we start to change what's inside, we start to get different reflections from people. So the first thing you need to do as you start to explore your own healing is to learn to recognize your own emotional triggers. So the second thing is to identify the underlying emotion behind the trigger. As you get more tuned in to the things that trigger you, the next step is to find the underlying emotion behind the trigger. There is usually an initial emotion that triggers the response, but you want to get to the core emotion, which there are six. Joy, surprise, love, anger, fear, and sadness. You want to use an emotion wheel to help you identify the core emotions from the emotion that triggered the response. There's many of these online that you can find. You can find free images of them. Um, A a fairly well-known and well-regarded one is uh, the one by Brene Brown, but there's numerous iterations, as I mentioned. And some of them will organize into more core emotions than the six I listed. But for the most part, six is generally the, um, the number of core emotions, and they all kind of boil down to that same core group of emotions. 
Most emotion wheels have three layers, an outer layer with the largest list of emotions, a middle layer with additional emotions that are closer to the core emotions, and then of course the center which has the core emotions. To help illustrate how this works, here are a couple examples. So let's use the example of the anxiety you, you might get if you walk into a gym. Anxiety is usually on the outside layer of the wheel. So you find that first and then look to the next layer where you might find nervous, which will then take you to the core emotion of fear. Let's use the trying on clothes as the next example where you're maybe getting really emotional or upset, uh, maybe crying when you're trying on clothes. You might feel displeased or dismayed. So you follow that to the next layer in and find disappointment, perhaps shame, which leads you to the core emotion of sadness. Last, let's look at when you get triggered by what another woman is wearing, for example. Let's say that you feel really annoyed or aggravated initially. Follow that to the next layer and maybe you get to disgust, which will then lead you to anger. So hopefully that gives you a feel for how you would identify the underlying emotions. This also gives you a feel for the range of emotions tied to each of the core emotions. And of course, this will help you understand your own emotions. Allow yourself to feel these emotions without judgment. There's no judgment. They are what they are, and you need to allow yourself to feel them. You're becoming aware and stepping into your own healing and growth. Give yourself grace and try not to judge yourself. I know that can be hard, but it's really important. Be honest with yourself so that you can release these patterns and heal. So the third part of this is to determine the cause of the trigger. So now that you have a sense of what emotional triggers uh, kind of look like, which ones you may be having, may have experienced before, mm -hmm. and you have a sense of how to determine the emotions that are involved, you're going to start to pay more attention to them as they come up in day to day life. As they do come up, you want to start taking note of what causes them, what situations bring them up. You're going to need to start journaling through these, though you can also process them in the moment or more instantly as you get more familiar with the process, or perhaps if you're in a situation where you're not able to journal, but you become aware of a trigger and you want to work through it. As you start with this, though, you're most likely not going to catch them right away. Something might happen and then it may occupy your mind throughout the day and then perhaps it'll start to turn into a different mood or state of mind and you might later realize or ask yourself, why am I feeling this way? This is where you want to identify the incident that initially caused the emotional trigger. Retrace your steps. Try to go back to when you noticed that you started to feel off or when maybe your mood shifted. What happened? What was the incident that caused or triggered the emotion? Take note of it and journal it. Write down what happened, how you felt, and what emotions were involved. So the fourth step, if you will, is to trace it back to the last time that you can remember feeling this way. Once you've identified the trigger and the emotions, you want to think back to the last time you can remember that you felt that way. When was it? What was the situation? Who was involved? What things were said or done that caused those emotions in you? What emotions come up as you reflect and on that previous situation? Let me give you an example from one of my own to help illustrate what this looks like and how it works. This is one I still process at different times. And as a side note, you'll find that you will process various iterations of the same trigger or reprocess the same trigger 
at different times and it may be over and over. Just keep in mind, this comes in layers. It happens in layers. It's processed in layers. And like all things health and wellness, it's lifelong work. So one I have is if I walk into a crowded place, like a meeting room, a store, a restaurant, a bar, whatever, and it seems like everyone is looking at me or staring at me, I immediately start to feel uncomfortable, anxious, sometimes inferior, like, why are they looking at me? Something must be wrong with my outfit. I must look bad in this outfit. There must be something wrong with my hair, and so on and so on. A similar thing happens. If I am asked a question in front of a group of people and all eyes are suddenly on me, I don't like the feeling of being in the center of attention. I don't like the feeling of everyone looking at me. So if I were working through this process, I would pinpoint the initial feeling. In this case, it's something like vulnerable, exposed, anxious, mortified, or inferior. And then I would trace that ultimately it would lead to fear. Next, I'd ask myself, when was the last time I felt like this? One that comes up right now as I think about it was at a party my ex-husband and I were at and not long at, this was not long after we had gotten married and someone was asking about how we met um, and he told someone how he wasn't really that attracted to me when we first met, like he could sort of take me or leave me kind of a tone and he didn't say it exactly like that, but that was the gist of the comment and the, the tone. So now everyone's looking at me and not saying much. And in hindsight, they probably couldn't believe what a total jerk thing to say that was on his part. But I was just totally focused on everyone staring at me and feeling, you know, like in the wake of this horrible comment. And I just kind of took it almost like validation of what he had said. So all these same emotions start coming up. It's like you want to hide, you feel vulnerable. I, you know, it was like anxious, uncomfortable. Um, so you could stop here if you were doing this particular incident and processing it. Um, or you could keep trying to trace it back further and further to identify other instances that where you felt this way. Because ultimately you're trying to get to as far back as you can. But again, this is something you do in layers. It takes time mm -hmm. and you need to be gentle with yourself and mindful of your emotions and, and how you're feeling through this process. Um, so in this case, for me, it goes all the way back to when I was being bullied in school. Um, on an emotional and subconscious level, things like this take me all the way back to that time when it felt like I was completely singled out at school um, and being targeted by my whole school and I had no escape from it. So this is what you want to do in this part of the process. You're trying to identify and trace back as far as your memory will allow you to get at the first time that you felt these emotions in a similar incident or event. That said, like I mentioned, as you begin, you can go back to the first one that you can remember and finish processing from there. Um, because again, this can be really difficult. Um, you're going to be experiencing emotions and you may just need to process it piece by piece. And that's totally fine. So give yourself time and go at the pace that works for you. So also just to give some context and um, around this particular example that I just gave you. Um, though it goes all the way back to when I was being bullied in school and all of that, it took me uh, processing numerous separate trigger events that it to, for it to finally lead me back to that. And now it's at a point where uh, when I experience certain triggers, because I have different things that are, you know, caused from different 
sort of a root incident or whatever, if you will. But now it's at the point where I've processed so much. I've been doing this work for so long now at this point, I can catch it really quick. So I can feel myself having an emotion or a reaction to something. And then I can be like, oh, that's about when I was in junior high and in the middle of the quad and um, so-and-so threw that soda at me or, you know, whatever. You'll start to get to where you recognize it much quicker and then you can neutralize it um, and move on because now you see it for what it is and it's you, you're not getting that same um, intense response from it. So the fifth step is to identify the beliefs you adopted as a result of that past incident. So here, you're looking for what you have come to accept as truth or what are often referred to as limiting beliefs from these past events, hurts, or traumas. So taking my same example, some of the beliefs I had adopted was that my worth was in my weight and my looks. I wasn't beautiful or worthy if I was overweight. The only way anyone would like me or accept me is if I was skinny and had like this perfect body. Um, in any way, in order for anyone to love or accept me, I needed to be perfect in every way possible. My only defense was to be perfect so that there was no room for anyone to criticize me or pick me apart or make fun of me. It was not safe to be seen or noticed. It was not safe to be in the spotlight. Attention of any kind was dangerous and people would always hurt me. And there are many others, but I think you get the idea. You want to write down as many as you can identify good way to do this is on a sheet of paper, write the limiting beliefs on the left side of the sheet. Some of them you may actually find from some of your own behaviors. So you can work backward from there to get to the underlying limiting belief. Examples of this are things like not buying certain clothes because you're not yet at the weight that you want to be or not wearing certain things because you're not quote thin enough. It may be that you don't do certain things because you feel like you need to be better in some way before you can do that thing. These are all examples of limiting beliefs and how we stop ourselves from doing things that we want to do. So the sixth step is to create new beliefs. So now that you've identified and listed the limiting beliefs or falsehoods that you've been living by subconsciously, you want to start to turn these into new positive uplifting beliefs. You want to write these down as well and have, um, and a helpful way to do this is to write them next to the limiting beliefs on the left, on the right side of the sheet. So do this for each limiting belief that you've identified. The idea is you're taking all these limiting beliefs and you're rewriting them, you're alchemizing them, you're changing them into something true and better and more positive. Again, I'll illustrate a few examples from my own examples. So the limiting belief that my worth is in my appearance would be changed to my worth is not tied to my appearance or I'm worthy because I am worthy. It is not safe to be seen or noticed would be changed to it is safe to be seen. People will always hurt me would be changed to I am surrounded by people who love and support me. And the last step is forgive and release. So once you've gone through all the other parts of this process that I've laid out here, the last thing is to forgive and release. This helps you to to let your subconscious know that you are ready to shift and create a new paradigm for yourself. There are different ways that you can do this. Some prefer, myself included, to go through each item that you listed and forgive those involved for their part in it, as well as to forgive yourself for adopting that belief. 
Others prefer to do it in a collective and forgive all the people involved in all the various incidents listed and then forgive themselves for adopting the belief. However you prefer to do it, it helps to do this verbally. Again, subconscious reprogramming. I like to tap on my heart as I say it and finish with the following prayer, which is called the Ho'oponopono prayer. I am sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I love you. And you can repeat that as many times as feels right for you. You can say it once. Um, I, like I said, I do it um, by each item I list and I go through it and I, I say this for each one. Um, so forgiveness is probably the most important part of all of this, as difficult as it may seem. And there are certainly certain experiences, actions, deeds that we would all agree and think of as completely unforgivable. And I don't mean to dismiss those in any way. However, forgiveness is for your own well-being and peace. It is release. You are breaking the chains of that thing that happened from binding you in pain, anger, hatred, bitterness, victimhood, sadness, depression, sorrow, etc. Holding on to these emotions or holding on to what someone did only hurts you in the long run. This verse from Matthew chapter 18, I feel is very fitting for this episode and for the, pro- the process of this work that I've laid out. It's Matthew 18 verses 21 to 22, and it reads, Then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how oft shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him, till seven times? And Jesus saith unto him, I say not unto thee until seven times, but until seventy times seven. Not only is Jesus saying that you must forgive over and over and over, and this includes yourself as well as others, but it's also another place in the Bible where we see sevens. And I think that it's just so interesting for this episode because seven is the number of spiritual awakening and forgiveness is such an integral part of that. It's so important for spiritual growth and awakening. You have to let go of these things and free yourself from all these negative emotions I mentioned a moment ago in order to continue to heal, in order to grow, in order to be free. It's for you. It's not for the person that did these things to you. So that is the process that I've used for my own self-healing. It's one of many things I do. This is definitely not the all-inclusive self-healing Um, process. There's many other components to self-healing. There's many other types of things that um, you need to be mindful of and aware of and and work through. Um, But this is really helpful for healing emotional triggers in particular. As with many of the other things I share in this podcast, there are lots of great resources out there that can help you with this. A lot of great books to help you understand some of what may be at the core of some of this for you. Depending on the severity of some of your past experiences, you may want to discuss some of this with a counselor or a therapist to help. Um, This work can be really difficult because you're re-experiencing these past experiences, hurts, traumas. Only now you're on the other side of it, ready to understand it and in a more mature place where you're better equipped and better able to process these things that you weren't capable of emotionally processing when they occurred. As uncomfortable and as unpleasant as this work can be, there is freedom in allowing yourself 
to sit with the emotions and feel them, process them, because then you get to choose something different and release and heal these things that have been hindering you without consciously realizing it. As I dug into doing this work for my own healing, I created a journal and published it on Amazon. I designed it to work through the process similar that I've laid out here in this episode. It includes a free version of an emotion wheel that I found online for easy reference in doing this, as well as pages that include prompts and questions to answer your, for yourself as you work through these different emotional triggers, um, identifying your limiting beliefs, changing those beliefs, and finding the forgiveness and healing in it. <clears throat> it's called the Growth and Healing Journal. It's on Amazon. You can find it by searching my name, Rochelle Weiss. I've also included a link to the journal in the episode description if you want to go look for that. Of course, you can certainly do this with any kind of journal or, you know, but this is just something I created that I found helpful as I was doing this for myself. So, all right, everyone, that is it for this episode. I really hope that this has been helpful. I hope you explore doing this work for yourself because it is truly life-changing. The more you heal and shift the inside, the more you will see shifts and changes in the outside world around you. Please share your thoughts in the comments. I would love to hear from you. If you enjoy this podcast and want to continue the pursuit of faith, fitness, and joy with me, please like and subscribe. You can also follow me on Facebook and Instagram at Faith Fitness Joy or check out the website www.faithfitnessjoy.com. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode and I hope to see you in the comments and on the socials. Thank you so much for joining Faith Fitness Joy today. I hope you found something helpful in today's episode. I would love to hear what you think. So please leave a comment and let me know what you found helpful or what you'd like to learn more about in future episodes. If you enjoyed today's show, please subscribe. You can also connect with me on social media at Faith Fitness Joy on Instagram or Facebook. Check out the blog at www.faithfitnessjoy.com. This is Rochelle Weiss wishing you health and happiness of mind, body, and soul.